you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. In this podcast, we're going to talk about Lauren Boebert's long history of bigotry and racism, the people at the Reawaken America QAnon conference catching COVID and claiming it was actually an anthrax attack, Pastor Kent Christmas claiming God made him say some really weird shit. We also take voicemails. If you want to leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. If you want to send an email instead, the email address is telltalemailbag at gmail.com. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hey, Owen. Um, My name's Corey. I'm from South Carolina. I just was wondering about Trump. I just don't see why all these Christians think Trump is going to help them out. He had all this power at one time where he was able to do everything that the Republican Party wanted. He had the Senate, he had the House, but he didn't do anything that the movement wanted. So I'm kind of on the side of I'm not scared of Trump as many people are. I'm more scared of someone else getting into the Republican Party. Let's say the Republican Party was as hyped up or as invested as they are in Trump with someone else who actually knew what they were doing. I'm more scared of that. If anybody's going to run for the Republican side, I don't mind it being Trump because he didn't do shit. I'm just wondering what's your take on that. For the record, I basically never edit any of the voicemails. This one was kind of broken up a little bit and pieced together, so I did have to edit it down a little bit to kind of put it into one cohesive string. So if anybody's wondering, I did edit this specific voicemail, so it was spliced together basically, but I don't do that pretty much ever. Regarding the question, you're right that Trump did have a lot of power in the 20 from 2016 to 2020 basically he had full and complete control of the government from 2016 to 2018 the house of representatives the senate the presidency and the supreme court were all under republican control for those years and then 2018 to 2020 he still controlled the majority of the government as we can see nothing got done during those years to push us in a questionable concerning direction but that isn't because there weren't people at the top who knew how to pull levers they did they did know how to pull the levers of power to get what they wanted done they knew how to do that trump brought people in who knew what they were doing, and those people stayed in those spots for the majority of the time, unless they were removed by, you know, the Mueller investigation or recused themselves. But again, they were just replaced by other people who knew how to work the levers of power in government. So it's not because he was incompetent. The most concerning thing that I see about Donald Trump being the president is his open interest in control in fascism, retaining power at any cost, at any cost. I mean, look at what happened on January 6th. This whole thing was orchestrated by Trump and by people directly under him. That is fucking concerning. I know there are a lot of Republicans out there that are like truly evil people who will do anything 
to get their goals accomplished and their goals are basically damaging to society like mitch mcconnell is a truly deeply evil person and he is not afraid to fight dirty do whatever he can to fuck over the democrats in any way possible but I don't get the impression that he's interested in a fascist takeover of the U.S. government and the deaths of Democrats, the deaths of Democrat leadership, the deaths of his enemies. I don't get that impression from him. Maybe I'm wrong. I do get that impression from Trump. That's my biggest concern with the dude, and that's why I would rather have literally anybody, literally anybody else, any other U.S. politician in office in the presidency rather than Trump. I think I'd take Ron DeSantis because I haven't seen the willingness to push forward a fascist coup the same way that Donald Trump has. And not from Ron DeSantis. He has the same fascist tendencies and he's got, I would argue, an even more extreme view of government and society and things like that but he's not as bad as trump as far as i can tell i would take chris christie i would take mitch mcconnell even anybody over donald trump because those people don't have a full-blown extremist cult behind them hey oh hey when it's blue over in uh, missouri i was doing some youtube comments here over the last couple minutes uh to some people that were off track I guess you could say and I was trying to get them to understand that you can't yell that guns don't kill people people kill people during a school shooting and then turn around and yell um, the protest or the the peacekeeper patriots w couldn't have been violent because they didn't have weapons um I, 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 you like me, I know you love irony, so I would adore you spending a little extra few minutes on that one. Later, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, something that I've come to realize in recent years is that the whole goal behind the Republican Party or, you know, the Trumpist movement, the extremist cults behind all of this stuff, uh, the QAnon movement, the whole goal behind all of these movements is to hurt their enemies nothing more it is about hurting their enemies it's easy to find irony and hypocrisy and ridiculousness because they don't really have principles they don't have ideals that they want to stand up to they don't have policy positions that they stand on or explanations or beliefs to back those policy positions up they don't have any of that it's not about that it's about owning the libs. It's about hurting their enemies and nothing more. That is one of the key components to a cult-like mindset. One of the keys to controlling people is instilling this emotional feeling in them that they have to destroy their enemies at any cost. This extreme polarized black and white thinking kind of thing. And that's exactly what we see out of the Republican Party and more specifically Trump, the Trumpist movement. I know that there are a lot of examples of irony or hypocrisy that we can point out just like that. And the reason is because they don't have principles. They just want to hurt their enemies. Simple as that. Hey, Owen, this is James, longtime listener, huge fan of the show. Called you a few times. 
Today is December 8th, and you're wondering why I'm giving you that the date here. It's simple. On this date, 41 years ago, John Lennon was murdered by Mark David Chapman. And I was wondering, you're a huge Toll fan, and they're pretty good. Did you like the Beatles as well? And what was your take on them and their music? I just, I just thought I'd call, hear what you, hopefully hear what you have to say. Uh, you have a wonderful week ahead, sir. Appreciate that. Yeah, um, I was never really into the Beatles. Interestingly enough, I am a massive Tool fan. One of the biggest Tool fans alive, as a matter of fact. But I was never really into the Beatles. I feel like the Beatles revolutionized music and changed it and made it what it what it is today in large part but the music that they created or, or a lot of it is kind of out of its time now it's not really it's so different from music that we have today that it's really hard to like adapt to it when you're listening to it now same with a lot of the older ones, like um, Pink Floyd, for example. I mean, they've got some really, really good songs that even stand up today, and so do the Beatles. But I think it's it's kind of out of its time now, a lot of it. Although I grew up with that stuff. Led Zeppelin, too. I grew up with all of that stuff, so I can still appreciate a lot of it today. But it's it's all very different. I don't know if you guys knew this, but Yoko Ono, John Lennon's wife, lives right next to Central Park. Still, they lived together in this apartment next to Central Park, and that's where he was shot. He was shot in front of this place that's now known as Strawberry Fields, named after the song. It's a, like this little part, like this little area of the park you can walk through, and it's got a big circle that says Imagine on it and everything. It's beautiful. Love it to death, man. I love strawberry fields in Central Park. But anyway, yeah, she still lives there. And uh, tourists are always walking by her house and taking pictures of it and stuff. Pretty awesome. Hello, I hope this email finds you well. My name is Sabrina, and I'm from Brazil. Something happened recently that made me think of sending this email. I recently left Christianity for Judaism although I've yet to start my studies, so I managed to flee the mandatory church going my mom still imposes on my sister. Well, my sister told me that one of the ladies in the church asked about me. When my mom told me about the Judaism, she said, oh, don't worry, it's a phase, she'll get over it. Well, this got me thinking about Jehovah's Witnesses and what they think of the Jewish people. Would you tell me about it? My best wishes to you and your family. Yeah, um, Jehovah's Witnesses, I don't think they have any animosity toward Jewish people any more than any other group out there. Um, I mean, they don't have animosity toward the Jewish community any more than Jehovah's Witnesses have animosity toward other groups, which is to say Jehovah's Witnesses have a superiority complex. They believe that they are superior to every other group of people out there, every other religion. And every religion out there is truly evil, to the point that if you go to a worldly church service or, you know, synagogue or anything at all, if you just attend one service— you can be disfellowshipped. Every family member and friend you've ever known, ever grown up with, will disown you permanently. Never talk to you again until the day you die, and not even then. They have a deep, 
superiority complex about all of the groups, including Jewish people, but they don't have any added hatred for Jewish people specifically, which is saying something. I mean, it's better than nothing, right? A lot of groups out there have this added animosity toward Jewish people. Uh, in fact, I believe the Catholic Church had an official statement about Jewish people blaming them for the death of Jesus until like the 60s, which is one of the things that inspired World War II in the first place. So anyways, take that for what you will. I hope that answered your question. Hey, Telltale, it's Garion. My JW grandmother and I had an interesting conversation about God, and she made an interesting claim. She claimed that Jehovah is not purely a spirit creature, but rather also a massive energy. She said this referring to the Big Bang. Was wondering what your thought about that was, or if this is a JW belief I didn't know about or something. Not really, no. I don't think this is a Jehovah's Witness belief at all. Although Jehovah's Witnesses are unique in the fact that they are old earth creationists, not young earth creationists. So a lot of the pastors I cover, like Kent Hovind or Ken Ham or whoever else, they are young earth creationists. They believe the earth is 6,000 years old. It was created 6,000 years ago by God in six literal days. Light created on the first day, plants created on the third, sun on the fourth, so on and so forth, all that stuff. I don't remember the order of creation now. Anyways, that's not Jehovah's Witnesses. They actually are willing to accept certain aspects of science, though they reject outright evolution. They are willing to accept that God created the earth millions of years ago, at least, and let dinosaurs roam around as fertilizer, and then God created Adam and Eve after millions of years. Um, so they're old earth creationists who, who believe in a literal Adam and Eve, kind of a unique position. But I know when I was a Jehovah's Witness, my mom had some slightly unorthodox beliefs that she passed down to me, for lack of a better term. She seemed to believe that Jehovah would judge your heart condition when Armageddon was over and the the new system came. Jehovah is supposed to resurrect people who had a good heart, even if they weren't Jehovah's Witnesses. He's going to resurrect them and give them a second chance unless you were an exceptionally bad person or unless you died in Armageddon or something like that. According to my mom, she seemed to believe that even if I was disfellowshipped, even if I was an inactive Jehovah's Witness, I could still make it through to the new system based on my heart condition, based on whether or not I'm a good person. Jehovah will make that judgment. That is not what Jehovah's Witnesses teach. They teach that unless you're an active, baptized, believing, door-knocking Jehovah's Witness, then you will die in Armageddon, and you will not be resurrected. That's their, their belief. In fact, they reaffirmed that recently in a video. One of the governing body members, Tony Morris, did. So some Jehovah's Witnesses find little things that, that they can kind of, little paths they can go down, little deviations that they can choose to have just a modicum of individuality because they don't get very much of that within the religion. If pressed, they would accept the, the governing body's version or interpretation of things but they just don't bring it up very often to many other people because they want to have these beliefs. You know, they want to have these little things. And that's what it sounds like to me. You were referring to your Jehovah's Witness grandmother 
saying that God might have been the energy that created the Big Bang. That is not a Jehovah's Witness belief, but that may be her individuality peeking through. And we want more individuality in the members of the religion, because the more individuality we see in each of them, the more likely it is that they're going to eventually leave the religion. Hi, Owen. I'm Brittany from Oklahoma, a.k.a. Bruh Girl Energy 420. Oh, okay. I've seen you around. I have a question for you. My mother and Nana, who are major players in my life, are giga-religious, Pentecostal, full-stop, tongues-and-blood-frenzy religious. They have no personality outside of religion. My husband and I are closeted atheists. Our whole lives and support system would disappear if we told anyone. However, our biggest concern is our children. We haven't a clue on what to tell them about religion. Two major figures in their lives are going to be cramming it down their throats from the get-go. What would you do? What did you do with Kylie, if that's okay to ask? I appreciate the email. That is an interesting question. You know, I actually considered going back to the Jehovah's Witness religion, getting reinstated, and then never going to another Kingdom Hall after that, just so that my family members would talk to me. But I realized that if I did that, I couldn't complain when they talked to Kylie about religion. I couldn't complain about it. It wouldn't add up. They would realize that I didn't believe it, and they'd stop talking to me anyways. That's why I never bothered going back to the Kingdom Hall. I never bothered trying to get reinstated so they'd talk to me. Because I know that I couldn't possibly put up with them trying to brainwash Kylie. Much to my dismay, my mom actually did try to brainwash Kylie anyways, though. She started spreading all of this nonsense through her head about getting baptized and loving Jehovah and reading the magazines to her, showing her the storybooks, all of that shit. Kylie was five or six years old. I felt it wasn't a big deal because she's young, so whatever, right? It got into Kylie. It got into her. It wasn't good. It was a bad thing that my mom managed to slip this shit in. So I finally told my mom, stop, just stop doing it. Stop talking to her about it. Stop pushing it down her throat. Stop doing this. And she said, okay. And then continued doing it anyways. That's called theocratic warfare in Jehovah's Witnesses' terms. Most religions, most cults have a term for it, where it's okay to lie and cheat and deceive and manipulate if it's in service to the church. So keep an eye out for it. I know you came from a Pentecostal religion, but as you said, your family has no personality outside the religion. If that's the case, I would be willing to bet they have a similar ideology about theocratic warfare. They have a similar idea about lying and manipulating and deceiving and cheating if it's in service to the Bible or whatever. If they tell you they're not going to shove it down the kid's throat, they're probably lying. If you don't want your kid to be brainwashed, either keep the kid away from them or come out and tell them. Probably one of those two options is about all you have. The kid's probably too young to grasp the difference between fantasy and reality before eight, nine years old. I would say by nine or ten, they're probably old enough to understand and make decisions on this subject for themselves for the most part it's still very very iffy but that's roughly the point at which Kylie started to realize what my mom was doing it would probably vary from kid to kid maybe even older 12 13 before they realize but you could start teaching them critical thinking skills as early as possible 
teach them about logic and reason and rationality and when you should accept a claim at face value, when you need evidence, what evidence would look like, that kind of thing. That could be helpful. Good luck. I know that can't be an easy situation because I went through something really similar. So I hope things go okay for you. When we come back, we're going to talk about Lauren Boebert's long history of bigotry and racism. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. You guys know Lauren Boebert, right? I've talked about her a couple times before, but she's famous in her own right. She is a member of Congress, a U.S. congressman, and she's kind of a bomb thrower, I guess you'd call her. She likes to be really inflammatory and say fucked up stuff just to get attention, basically. She's kind of friends with Marjorie Taylor Greene. I think they call themselves the Freedom Caucus, maybe. Quick side note here. I don't know if you guys heard, but recently Marjorie Taylor Greene got banned from Twitter, permanently banned. That was her personal account. She still has access to her congressman's account. I think it's Rep MTG or something like that. But she hasn't said anything to violate rules on there recently yet, at least. So we'll see if she gets to keep access to that or not. I'm not sure. Anyways, late December 2021, she made an appearance at a Turning Points USA conference And she had some weird stuff to say. So I wanted to reintroduce you to her, talk about some of the older clips that she's famous for, and then we'll talk about her latest clip, which is a Turning Points USA clip. So give this a watch. This one is from May 20th, 2021. You know, I'm really enjoying uh, telling Speaker Pelosi to kiss my mask, though. Uh, Yes. Kiss my mask. That is dumb as dog shit. I am sorry. That was a stupid joke. It, it didn't even warrant a chuckle from me. I didn't find it amusing at all. Yesterday, <laughs> Thomas... Uh, she's laughing her ass off over here on the left. Listen to this chuckle. Uh, yesterday, <laughs> Thomas... She thinks it's fucking hilarious. The Madison Cawthorn, uh, Brian Mast, Beth Van Dyne, and uh, several other colleagues joined me in refusing to wear a mask on the House floor. Uh, Thomas Massey and I both got warnings, and uh, both of our letters ended up in the same exact place, ironically, the trash. <laughs> Leftists <laughs> won't even listen to the bureaucratic, uh, the bureaucrats at the CDC. Leftists won't listen to the bureaucrats at the CDC. Well, I know the CDC is recommending mask usage, so I'm not sure what she's getting at. Is she saying that the CDC is recommending against it? Because that's simply untrue. I mean, I I just disagree with you, madam. I don't know what else to say here. You're wrong. The CDC recommends mask mask usage. And it just goes to show that this party's follow the science slogan is a total joke, just like this entire administration, just like the entire Democrat party. I love that, like, even she seems to recognize that she's in a party that is opposed to science. And the oppositional party, which would be the Democrats, 
are in favor of the science. Isn't that interesting how that dichotomy exists and even she knows it, it exists and recognizes it publicly? Um, they they want to tell you to listen to science and listen to data and facts, but they haven't done that for more than a year. Uh, two weeks to slow the spread turned into communism really, really quickly. That's why it was two weeks to slow the spread, not stop the spread. Nobody expected to stop COVID completely by spending two weeks being careful. We just wanted to flatten the curve, to try to make it less dramatic, to see fewer deaths in the country. And guess what? A lot of the efforts that I personally put in, and many, many others, millions of other people, a lot of the efforts that we all put in worked. They did save a lot of lives. Unfortunately, at this moment, we are entering a peak with the Omicron variant, and it's getting really, really ugly, sadly. Omicron is supposed to be, from my understanding last I checked, it's supposed to have an R-naught value, uh, roughly equivalent to chicken pox. So it's just as contagious as chicken pox, or, or damn near it which is extremely concerning. This is exactly what we were afraid would happen when we saw Republicans refusing to wear masks, refusing to vaccine, refusing to do fucking anything, refusing to help in any way. In fact, going out of their way to make the situation worse in some cases. All you have to do is wear a piece of fucking cloth over your face and it'll make it better for some people. Instead, she's sitting here making jokes about kissing her mask. I think grotesque is the best word for this. Oh, and uh, one more thing. Slow the spread turned into communism really, really quickly. Now, Does she know what communism is? I mean, based on what she just said, I'm going to say no. I don't believe she does. It's just buzzwords and loaded language and cliches all the way down. You guys remember the book 1984 by George Orwell? It's been like years since I've read it. I'm trying to remember. There was a character in that book, a girl, and the main character was describing the girl in the book saying that, like, there was nothing in her head but propaganda, nothing but state-sponsored thoughts or something like that. That is what I think when I see Lauren Boebert. Two weeks to slow the spread turned into communism really, really quickly. Now it's show me your yeah. papers. It's just persecution complex to the highest degree. They want to act like they're the most persecuted people alive. Grotesque really is the best word for this. Uh, but don't forget, Gina, Texas removed their mask mandate two months ago, and Sleepy Joe called it Neanderthal thinking. Huh, how about that? Texas, okay, so this came out in May, I believe. She says tax, Texas removed their mask mandate two months before, so... March, I guess. March 2021 is when Texas removed their mask mandate, right? Republicans are just following the science. And since removing the mask mandate two months ago, Texas has not reported a single COVID death. Not one. Aged like milk. I love going back and looking at all of this shit that is so obviously propagandistic now. So obviously bullshit. Funny thing about that is there's actually this article here from gov.texas.gov, Office of the Texas Governor, Greg Abbott. This is a post on the official Texas website. 
Governor Abbott, T-D-E-M-D-S-H-S, I don't know what that means, request federally supported COVID-19 testing sites, medical personnel, increased monoclonal antibody allocations. How about that shit? Texas is asking for help from the federal government. What was it that Lauren Boebert said a second ago? Texas has not reported a single COVID death, not one. She said Texas didn't report a COVID death from March to May 2021, implying at the very least that Texas had completely beaten COVID. Anybody of sound mind could tell at that time the pandemic wasn't over yet. And somehow it just went right over her head. She didn't even realize it. What we're looking at on screen here for the audio audience is a New York Times latest map and case count tracking coronavirus in Texas. Lauren Boebert says basically from March to May that Texas didn't report a single death, right? Here we go. Reported deaths by day. According to Lauren Boebert, starting March, say March 1st to May 30th, right? Let's be fair and make it a more narrow window. The video came out May 20th, so let's do March 20th to May 20th. Interesting. So March 20th, Texas actually reported 97 new deaths uh, just on the very first day of her two-month claim there. March 21st, 45 deaths. Uh, April 10th, 65. May 1st, 52. It was trending down at that moment because we were going into a dip, but then it peaked, went right back up, all the way up to 366 deaths on September 16th. So I really have no idea what she's even talking about. Like, Texas hasn't reported a death, not one. Like I said, nothing but propaganda in this person's head. Nothing there but propaganda. That's it. She actually did something fairly recently to draw the ire of the left, if you will. Uh, this one came out late November 2021. She has been going around the country, doing a tour, basically, telling an interesting story about Representative Ilhan Omar, her fellow congressman. Give this one a listen. Late November 2021 is when it started. Going back to my office, and we get in the elevator, and I see a Capitol Police officer running hurriedly to the elevator. I see fret all over his face and he's reaching and I'm like, what? I can't, the door's shutting. Like, I can't, I can't open it. Like, what's happening? I look to my left and there she is, Ilhan Omar. And I said, well, she doesn't have a backpack. We should be fine. The level of bigotry and racism and hatred coming from this group of people is fucking disgusting. I really don't know what to do about it. Like, does she not realize how wrong this is or why it's wrong in the first place? Interestingly enough, she actually came out and apologized for that, allegedly, but I'm having a hard time buying the apology because she went around and told that same exact story to multiple different audiences. Let's keep listening. This was on a news broadcast about it. Known for being outspoken, Bobert issued a rare apology to Omar, writing on Twitter, quote, I apologize to anyone in the Muslim community I offended with my comment about Rep. Omar. Look, it's not about apologizing for offense at this point. Do you know what this kind of rhetoric does? It inspires domestic terrorism when you do shit like this. Seriously. I don't give a shit about being offended. I want this shit to stop 
for people's safety. It's like Bill O'Reilly and Dr. Tiller. I don't know if you guys remember this shit. I just talked about this not long ago. Bill O'Reilly demonized this Dr. Tiller guy. Um, all right, if you're going to come up here and sit, then go ahead and come up here and sit. Bill O'Reilly demonized this Dr. Tiller guy. He was an abortion doctor until the time finally came when somebody took it into their own hands and showed up and took him out. That's what this kind of rhetoric leads to. Full-blown stochastic terrorism. That's what it does. That's what this is. I don't give a shit about being offended. It's not about offense. It's about the fact that you are statistically going to get people killed when you do things like this. You're not some jag-off nobody who people don't listen to. You're a congressman. Kitty, what are you doing? I think the cat got up here specifically so she could get some treats because the treats are over there and she's facing them conspicuously. Are you gonna stay still, Kitty? You can't be rubbing up against the microphone like that. You can make loud noises. Let's keep listening to the news broadcast. One in the Muslim community I offended with my comment about Rep. Omar. I have reached out to her office to speak with her directly. There are plenty of policy differences to focus on without this unnecessary distraction. But not everyone is demanding an apology. Pueblo Republican Party Chair Robert Leverington says it's not a big deal. She apologized. I think the Congresswoman Boebert probably expressed the sentiment of many Americans. Uh, this, this Congresswoman Omar has been poking her finger in the eyes of many Americans over the last couple of years. And we're sick of it. Poking her finger in the eyes of many Americans. What does that even fucking mean? What does he mean by that? You mean she's been doing her job voting on bills and making policy and things like that? Handling committee assignments? That's what you mean by poking her finger in the eyes of many Americans? And that makes it okay to demonize her and actually put her life in danger? I guess Robert Leverington's the... All right, Kitty, you got to get down. Go on. Go on. I guess Robert Leverington is the person who said this. I don't know if you realize this, Robert Leverington, but Ilhan Omar actually got death threats as a result, a direct result of what Boebert said. She got a voicemail that she played live in Congress. That's what happens. Nobody was surprised when she played that voicemail. Your words have consequences. And if you're not going to be careful about what your words are, and use them to build people up rather than tear them down, then personally, if you're going to put people's lives in danger with stochastic terrorism like that, I'm okay with her getting canceled. Being removed from Twitter like Marjorie Taylor Greene was, for example, totally okay with that if what she was doing was putting people's lives at risk, which it was. Let's keep listening. I can't answer for the, for the congresswoman. I don't know why she apologized. I... I, I don't support or, or, you know, that's her business. So that brings us up to the latest video, late December 2021 is when this one came out. This was her appearance at TPUSA. Give this one a listen, see what she had to say for herself. So now I'm going to ask you today, we have thousands of people in this room. What are you doing with your God-given authority? What are you doing where he's positioned you? What are you speaking? What is the love that you are showing people? You know what she's saying, right? She's basically trying to get people to get involved politically, get active, run for office, donate, support their local 
congressmen and their their local politicians. And she's absolutely right. That's the kind of shit you have to do if you want to win. You have to get out there and get involved. You have to run for office. Get out there and support people any way you can. That is at least partly why the Republican Party, as extreme as it seems to be getting, is still winning. Because they know how to mobilize a crowd. They know how to whip people into a blood frenzy. Get them excited about something. Get them motivated. Get them enthusiastic. And get them out there doing things. We need to do that. The atheist movement, of which I consider myself a member, needs to get out there and try to mobilize, try to run for office, uh, get involved, meet with your local politicians, even if it's school board members, talk to them, learn who they are, get to know them, find out their names, go to dinner parties with them, become their friends, and work with them to accomplish the goals that we need to accomplish. Because guess what? If you don't, she will. And so will the rest of her crew. So will every other audience member in the audience listening to her right now. That's probably what they're doing this weekend. They'll be doing it if you aren't. We need to get out there. Let's keep listening. You have the answers on the inside of you. And I am tired of having godless people who hate America run this country. I'm sorry, what? You think godless people who hate America run this country? Is that why you're a congressman, Lauren Boebert? That is ridiculous. Seriously, the persecution complex is just out of this fucking world with these people. They're so disconnected from reality when they say things like this. I have to wonder, do they really believe it? Do they really believe what they're saying when they say, what was it? And I am tired of having godless people who hate America run this country. Do they really believe that? Honestly, I think some of them do. As a matter of fact, I think Lauren Boebert is one of the people who really does believe that, who really does buy her own propaganda. Fox News back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, it wasn't really like it is now. It started out a little bit more moderate, and as time went on, it got more and more extreme until we finally arrived at our final destination right here, where it's basically just a full-blown propaganda network at this point. But when it was moving toward being a propaganda network, a lot of the hosts didn't really believe the things they were saying. They just felt that they needed to push this extreme narrative to try to move the Overton window further toward the right. They were trying to get as extreme as they could to move the window of acceptable discourse closer to where they wanted it to be. And by doing that, they effectively created a bunch of extremists. Instead of having to hire people who were willing to pretend to be extreme to move that window over for them, they just hire people who believe that extreme stuff. And that's where we are now. A lot of the hosts, in my opinion, are full-blown believers, like true believers. They're not propagandists. I mean, of course, they are propagandizing. But first and foremost, they buy their own propaganda, like Lauren Boebert. I think she's a true believer. The most exceptional country this world has ever known. And it is time we take our positions. We have God's grace. We have his empowerment, his ability, his 
had it. And oh my goodness, I took a shot and did something. This is getting fucking weird. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed all the like ultra nationalism in there saying we live in an exceptional country. It's the greatest. It's the best. So on and so forth. Okay. You know, fine. I can accept that. Great. We live in a good country. Okay. I have contentions with that, but let's just set those aside and I'll take the premise. Okay. America's great or whatever. You want it to be better, right? It is possible to improve on it, isn't it? I mean, do you still believe that, that it's possible to improve? Do you believe that it's possible for other nations to be better even if they aren't right now that's really the difference between patriotism and nationalism the idea that the country is great that's patriotism the idea that it's the best and no other country could possibly match up to it ever that's nationalism it's got this hint of inferiority in it i believe that every other country is inferior that's kind of the nationalist take. I have consistently seen that from Lauren Boebert from beginning to end. Every time I see a clip from her, there's some hint of not patriotism, nationalism. Let's keep listening. I came here to tell you that each and every one of us are called. We are not perfect, but no one's looking for perfect. The perfect has already come. Now more than ever, we need principled public servants who put people first. Who will put America first? Yeah, so what she's doing here is a call to action, trying to get people to get involved and run for office and stuff like that. She's right. We need to do that on our side, which is to say the non-extremist side. Non-extremists need to get in there and run for office because if we don't, the extremists will. That's what they're working on right now, seriously. Get it together, do it. And the attacks and the lies. We can go down this list that you saw in the video of all the things that they say about me, but I just smile. Yeah, uh, Lauren Boebert is a deeply disturbing person, and if you don't want more people like this running for office and winning, then you need to get out there and run against them. Really, do it. Romulus Detroit's Boebert Needs a History Lesson. Rhetoric like this kicked off the Thirty Years' War back in 1618, a war that killed 8 to 9 million people, all because of intolerance between the creeds. This stuff is deadly. Yes, it is. But either she doesn't know that, or she doesn't care. Or she does know it and intentionally wants that to lead to some kind of a conflict. I'm not sure which. Um... It would not surprise me to find out unequivocally that she really did have the intention to create a new civil war, to split up the states or whatever. I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene's been talking about a national divorce recently. I don't know if you guys heard that. It's essentially a new civil war where we split the states up into Union and Confederacy all over again. When we come back, we're going to talk about the people at the Reawaken America QAnon conference catching COVID and claiming it was actually an anthrax attack. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com.
Next story I wanted to talk about is about the Reawaken America conference. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but it's basically a QAnon conference. I don't think they've come out and endorsed QAnon directly. Maybe they have, but they have a lot of QAnon pastors and QAnon speakers there. Greg Locke, for one thing, is one of the speakers there, and we're going to get to Greg Locke. They also had Michael Flynn, famously kind of a darling of QAnon, Lots of QAnon-adjacent people, including the person who's alleged to be Q, the, the poster Q. Code Monkey is the guy's, like, online handle outside of Q. He's there, too, and he was endorsing it, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But before we get to it, I wanted to introduce you to some of the better-known speakers there. So right here, this guy on the left that you're looking at, this is Pete Santilli. Now, I've talked about him a few times before. In fact, I've played this clip before, but I just want to give you a little bit of a reminder. I think this is like a 15-second clip or something. Give this a listen. It'll give you an idea of who Pete Santilli is and the things that he believes. The people now that are learning more about the adverse impact of getting vaccinated they're having mm -hmm. regrets about it because we're hearing about this shedding uh, that's yeah. going on and the vaccine shedding the shedding and and also um, the 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 activation of the graphene oxide it's actually sitting there dormant but if it gets energized by something like 5g it actually kills all the cells around it that is so <laughs> crazy to me I, that's crazy to everybody man I'm sorry to tell you that's just plain crazy uh, I I can't believe this guy actually fell for this shit. You know 5G's in the United States right now, right? This video isn't even that old. This video came out early August, 2021. I have 5G on my phone right now. If 5G's been in the US for a while, and he's sitting here making all kinds of ridiculous claims about how it, it'll activate the graphene oxide in the vaccine, blah, blah, blah. What the fuck? Well, here's the thing. Uh, basically, everything he said just now is complete nonsense from beginning to end. I, I just want to... Cats galloping through the house. I just want to put that on record because I actually tried to post this video to Twitter a while back. And um, yeah, Twitter didn't like that. They, they banned my account. I created one specifically for clips, so it's not a big deal that it was, like, removed or whatever. But, yeah, you you can't post this kind of thing without context, apparently. That's kind of disappointing. Anyways, like I was saying, this guy is full of nonsense from beginning to end, and it's honestly endlessly entertaining. We're hearing about this shedding uh, that's yeah. going on, and... That's complete bullshit. There was no shedding. It's technically possible for certain types of vaccines to shed, as he's describing here. That's literally not possible with this type of vaccine. The shedding and, and also um, the, the, the activation of the graphene oxide. It's actually sitting there dormant, but if it gets energized by something like 5G... Look at the look on this guy's face i love it man i love it look at his face god for the audio audience you guys are missing out you're missing out on this look on this guy's face it's priceless anyway so that's the kind of person that's making appearances at the reawaken america conference so this next clip is with one of the organizers clay clark came out mid-december 2021 and he had none other than our very own pete santilli on to talk about it give this a listen eric trump has now joined the tour and what that does eric trump 
Eric Trump just joined the tour is what he said. Eric Trump has now joined the tour. And what that does by Eric joining the tour, what that does is that brings people to the events that uh, maybe think shows like yours and mine are crazy shows. Well, you know, calls them like I sees them. Just saying they're kind of crazy shows. He's right, though. What he's saying here is that it adds credibility. Eric Trump and others joining the tour gives them credibility. That is a real problem. And Eric Trump, among others, should be ashamed of themselves for doing this. And mine are crazy shows because we share so much truth, Pete. You know, on your our show, we're, we're, your show, Pete, is basically the show that uh, covers the stuff that Fox News will not touch. I mean, it, it, anything that Fox News won't touch or Newsmax won't touch, that's what you cover. It's called the truth. It's called nonsense is what it is, actually. Nonsense with absolutely no basis in reality. No facts whatsoever to back any of this up. You know, there are a couple of different types of news shows, right? There's what Reuters or AP News does, for example, which is just factual information gathering and providing the information to you in an unbiased way or with as little bias as possible. That's what like Reuters, AP News, BBC America do for the most part. They, they've had their issues, but that's what they do. And then there's opinion. There are opinion shows that take the information that the news shows gather. They give you their opinion on the whole thing. They tell you how they feel about it and why they think this is wrong and that's right and blah, blah, blah. That is largely what Fox News does. Fox News has a factual news reporting arm and they have an opinion arm, and they like to blur the line between the two. Tucker Carlson isn't a news show, it's an opinion show, but it's presented to you as a news show, right? This is an entirely new subset. This isn't news, this isn't opinion, this is taking fake, made-up shit and presenting it to you as news, just completely fabricated out of the ether. That's what Pete Santilli does. Cover, it's called the truth. And uh, bringing Eric Trump to this event is now uh, legitimizing what we're doing in the minds of many people. And so that's powerful. And I, I, uh, I look forward for I look for the moment with their momentum to continue. Yeah. Charlie Kirk actually made an appearance here, too. Yeah, that's a good point, though, Clay Clark, that you're absolutely right. That is exactly what happens when big famous names make an appearance like that, like Charlie Kirk and Eric Trump and Michael Flynn and others. It legitimizes nonsense. That's why they shouldn't make appearances. When Eric Trump makes an appearance at a conference like this, a QAnon, a uh, I'm sorry, a QAnon conference, he is effectively endorsing QAnon in my mind. Let me give you a clearer idea of what this conference is all about. There's this speaker named Lee Dundas. First name L-E-I-G-H, last name D-U-N-D-A-S. This one came out mid-December 2021 because Reawaken America is a tour. It's not just a conference. It's like a full-blown, like they're going to places all around the country setting up shop and, and holding these conferences every weekend or something like that. So they have a rolling set of speakers and they have appearances from all kinds of people all the time. So give this one a listen. This is Lee Dundas at Reawaken America. We are killing mothers and fathers and worst. We are killing our children. And that is a genocide. 
In 1940. Uh oh, we're going back to the 1940s uh, comparisons. We're going back to the Hitler comparisons. Ready for this? The world sat silent and watched Nazi Germany experiment on medically vulnerable people. Why were they vulnerable? Because they were forced into quarantine detainment camps. I'm sorry, what? I don't know everything there is to know about this subject, but I know a good bit. They did do experiments on people is absolutely true. Horrific stuff, horrific stuff. But she is desperately trying to link the pandemic that we're dealing with right now with Nazi Germany. And I feel she hasn't met that burden of proof. It's an absolutely ridiculous comparison, an offensive comparison. I would go as far as to say outright offensive. It's fucking disgusting, especially to see people like this wearing the little Star of David patch that says unvaccinated or something like that on it. It's fucking disgusting. What are we doing in Canada right now? The same thing. And we walked out of that Third Reich episode and we said never again. We will never again experiment on people without their true informed medical consent. And yet here we are. This woman, I guess, believes that, you know, they're lying about what's in the vaccine and so on and so forth. Complete nonsense, of course. They've been pretty open about the side effects and the ingredients. They, they've told us w what ingredients there are, at least so that we can be prepared in case we have some kind of an allergy or something like that. They've told us about possible risks. They've kept an eye on illnesses that have arisen since the vaccine's been taken and all of that other stuff. And this is one of the safer vaccines out there, one of the safer ones out there. And it was invented in record time, which is absolutely incredible. But the technology that they use to create it in the first place, the mRNA uh, technology, that's not new technology. That's not experimental technology. mRNA technology has been around for like a long fucking time. Like since the 80s or 90s or something, we've been experimenting with it and learning about it and studying it in various different ways. It's just, this is one of the first vaccines that was brought to market that uses um, mRNA technology. That's really the only difference here. But none of that matters because she can shoot out 10 claims that are complete nonsense, have no basis in reality, in five seconds flat. And it takes me 10 minutes to debunk. It takes me 10 minutes to try to reason my way through it and find the evidence just for one of the claims. I think Sam Harris said something like, an anti-vaxxer can light 10 fires and I'm still going around trying to put out the first one. That's how this shit works. It's complete nonsense from beginning to end, but none of that matters. This has got to stop now! You know what that reminded me of? You guys remember Arnold Schwarzenegger saying, get to the chopper. That's what that is. That's like, it, it's like a dead ringer for that line. Listen again. Get to the chopper! Now! Get to the chopper. Right? In Slovenia, if you are unvaccinated, they are denying you gasoline and petrol services. By the way, don't believe basically anything she says. Uh, a lot of this is probably complete nonsense. Like I said a minute ago, they can go around and light 10 fires while I'm running around putting out the first one. Don't buy basically anything, she says. A lot of this is exaggerated at best, completely made up at worst. If you're really curious about it, look it up specifically. I'm not addressing the specific factual claims. I'm addressing the propaganda aspect of it.
In certain parts of Canada, if you are unvaccinated, you can no longer go to the grocery store. Anyways, that's what we're dealing with. That person's name was Lee Dundas, I believe, and she was at the Reawaken America conference. That is what the Reawaken America conference stands for. That's what it's all about. It's a QAnon-endorsed conference. They also had none other than Pastor Greg Locke on. Let me give you a little bit of lead up to this. Uh, Greg Locke is basically talking about last year when a lot of places were locking down and churches were supposed to be trying to go online to try to slow the spread. They were holding Zoom meetings and stuff like that. And of course, being a QAnon member, Greg Locke doesn't believe in any of that, so he refused. And CNN did a couple of pieces on him. They did like some articles about this pastor that refused to close down, so on and so forth. So he's telling the story of when CNN and the sheriffs showed up to his circus tent. His church is a circus tent, a gigantic circus tent. So he's telling the story of what happened when they showed up. Listen to this. And the sheriff kept showing up every weekend. And he's like, hey, come here, Locke. He's like, I love your videos, bro. He's like, you back the blue. You've been supporting us. You do so much in this community. I'm not going to arrest you, but these idiots keep calling, so we got to show up by way of protocol. The sheriff refuses to enforce the law. Something should be done about that, seriously. The sheriff should be removed from office. Is it an election? Is he appointed? I don't know, but he should be removed one way or another. It's people like that that are actively making it more difficult to get out of this pandemic in the first place. We got to show up by way of protocol. I said, well, I, I'll fix you having to show up. So CBS was there that day for a documentary. And so I got up and I said, now look, folks, I'm going to fix this whole deal right now because we ain't closing no matter what you say. And so I got up and I said, let me tell you all something. We so believe in our First Amendment right to gather and worship Jesus Christ. You have your First Amendment right to gather and do whatever the holy fuck you want. Except, you don't have the right to put other people's lives in danger. Your rights end where my rights begin. Your right to swing your fist ends right here. You can swing your fist anywhere you want. Anywhere. Except right here. That's a protection of my rights. Not a violation of yours. And that is really a fundamental misunderstanding that, the, that people like Greg Locke seem to have about how rights work. You have a right to do whatever the fuck you want until it affects me. And guess what? You gathering 3,000 people together like Greg Locke sometimes does at his church every single weekend, that is putting my rights in danger, my right to life and health. That's in the Constitution, and he's taking that shit away from me. Probably not me personally, although him going to his church and gathering all these people isn't helping us quash the pandemic. But I live so far away from him that it's probably not affecting me as much as it's affecting the people of Tennessee. A lot of people in Tennessee. I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that his church and his churchgoers have been responsible for a disproportionate number of cases in Tennessee, possibly even deaths. He doesn't give a shit. So once again, Greg Locke, your rights end where my rights begin. The government is protecting my right to life and health by telling you to go online, to hold Zoom meetings instead of in-person meetings for a short while. That's all we asked. 
It's no longer illegal for you to meet now, though maybe it should be. I'm not really sure um, as far as lockdowns go. I'd have to think about that for a while. But it was illegal at one point, and he completely ignored my right to life and health. Completely ignored it. Didn't give a shit. And as a matter of fact, not only did he not give a shit about my rights to life and health, but listen to this next part. That if you show up and you impede on our First Amendment right, we will meet you at the door of our tent with our Second Amendment right because we're not playing your Democrat games. We carry a Bible for devils and we carry guns for dummies, praise God, all right? Not only did you put my right to life and health at risk, but you also threatened me, threatened my life. Probably not my life personally, probably not putting my health personally at risk, but society at the very least. He's putting people's lives in danger and threatening anybody who tries to prevent more pain and suffering and death from happening. He's threatening them with his Second Amendment rights. Was he just talking about the sheriff? I mean, that's what it sounded like. The sheriff showed up and said, we have to show up. We're not going to arrest you, but, you know, it's protocol. We have to come here. If that sheriff had said, I'm going to arrest you now, would Greg Locke have used his Second Amendment rights like he said he would explicitly? Who fucking knows? Who knows? This is an escalation in rhetoric. I just don't even know what to do about Greg Locke. Dude is disturbing on so many fucking levels. We carry a Bible for devils and we carry guns for dummies, praise God, all right? The reason we got so many popsicles in the pews because we got too many polar bears in the pulpit, amen? Oh yeah, I remember. I was going through this clip and looking for parts that I really wanted to cover, right? And then I... <laughs> I remember I heard this part and I decided to keep it. The reason we got so many popsicles in the pews because we got too many polar bears in the pulpit, amen? People cheered at that. What does it even mean? I don't understand. Is he just saying shit just for kicks? Is that what he's doing? Just saying nonsense just for the hell of it to see if people clap and cheer? I guess he got his answer. There's a lot more to this clip, and I may cover it at a later date, but for the moment, I actually wanted to talk about the original point to this video, which is this article right here, Daily Dot, and it's not just on Daily Dot, it's on a bunch of different websites, like a bunch of different news reporting agencies been talking about this. Title of this article is, A Bunch of QAnon Promoters Got Sick After a Conference. They Blame Anthrax Instead of COVID. They're talking about the Reawaken America conference right here. They blamed it on anthrax. One of the most dangerous, most heavily controlled, most deadly toxins, I believe it's like a pathogen, right? In the world. And they think that somebody is coming after them with anthrax rather than they're just not being careful and they fell victim to a pandemic that's spreading across the world right now. What, is, what does Occam's razor say? The simplest explanation is usually the most accurate. What is it? The simplest explanation is usually the best one. Do you think maybe it wasn't anthrax? Do you think there's a, a slight possibility? Just a, any chance at all? Maybe. It was the worldwide pandemic spreading around right now. Do you think that could be it? Let's read this article. It's written by Claire Goforth. 
on Daily Dot, as I mentioned. A slew of presenters and attendees from the Reawaken America tour reportedly fell ill shortly after the event. Rather than COVID-19, they're claiming their illness was possibly caused by an anthrax attack. The Reawaken America tour features a mixture of QAnon conspiracy theorists, big-name conservatives, and far-right figures. Presenters at the event, held December 9th to 11th in Dallas, Texas, included Eric Trump, Michael Flynn, Mike Lindell, Joe Altman, and Jovan Hutton Pulitzer? Now Altman, Pulitzer, and a purported dozen others who were in a green room together are sick. Their illness comes as an Omicron variant of COVID ravages the nation. The conspiracy theory that Altman's, Pulitzer's, and others' illness was caused by an anthrax attack emerged in recent days. Altman is a far-right figure who's espoused QAnon theories but denies he follows QAnon. Last week, Jake and Jelly better known as the QAnon shaman, appeared on Altman's podcast while still incarcerated for his role in the Capitol riot. How could he? I didn't, I thought they were like banned from like being near social media or anything like that. I was unaware that he made an appearance. I'm going to have to look into that. Colorado Newsline reports that earlier this month, Altman called for mass hangings of Colorado lawmakers who voted to approve a stopgap spending bill. That doesn't surprise me. That's the type of shit they do now. That's QAnon's MO at this point. Pulitzer is another extremist who spread false claims of election fraud. The PowerPoint presentation that former Chief of Staff Mark Meadows received detailing strategies to overturn the 2020 presidential election appears to be based on his ideas, per the New York Times. It's not clear who authored the presentation. Earlier this week, Altman said on his podcast that he was sick. There's a 99.9% chance it's anthrax. That is one of the most heavily regulated products or substances. Yeah, most heavily regulated substances in the United States. It's from my understanding. I was actually reading about it a while back. I believe it's a fungus that grows on animal hide. FBI enters the chat. Yeah, okay. It's a bacteria known as Bacillus anthracis. Uh, It can be found naturally in soil and other places, but it's hard to basically distill for lack of a better term that's not the right term but it's the best i've got it's hard to isolate and distill into a powder form very very difficult to do apparently takes a lot of work and most people don't even know how to do it and thus it's fairly simple to regulate for that reason it's extremely uncommon to come across it in the wild it's just not done it's very very heavily regulated in the u.s but no it was definitely an anthrax attack, for sure, definitely, yeah. That that checks out. That's the most logical explanation. Not COVID, but anthrax, yeah. This is the article again. The rumor has spread like wildfire throughout QAnon circles. Lynn Wood, Ron Watkins, and Jeffrey Pedersen, a.k.a. In the Matrix, are among the prominent QAnon figures who have repeated it. Claims are circulating that some are seriously ill or even hospitalized. You guys may not know Ron Watkins, but he's also known as Code Monkey, and he is believed to be QAnon, like Q. He's the guy that posts for the Q account. There was a point in time when the person who was posting for the Q account changed. Sometime in 2018, they think, 2019 maybe, but there are two different writing styles. People have analyzed the writing styles. They're different. There were two different Q posters, and they believe that Code Monkey, a.k.a. Ron Watkins, took the account over after it moved to 8chan to do its posting and started posting in Q's place. 
uh, Code Monkey, aka Ron Watkins, was the basically server administrator for 8chan. He controlled 8chan. He was the one that ran the servers and the code and all that other stuff. He was fully capable of taking over the QAnon account. My guess is that he was pushing this just to encourage conspiracy theories and nothing more. That's kind of the type of thing that he does. Let's continue reading. The anthrax poisoning claim made its way onto fringe media outlets on the far right. In what could be evidence of further rifts in QAnon worlds, Clay Clark, an organizer of the Reawaken America tour, denies that there was an anthrax attack. Yeah, I would bet. It, you know, having an anthrax attack happen at your conference, as ridiculous as that sounds, it probably isn't a great look for him. Appearing on a far-right online talk show, Clark addressed rumors that anthrax was sprayed from the ceiling. He said that was actually a fog machine brought in by a church where the Dallas event was held. Clark further denied that he's part of the Illuminati. Oh my god, dude. They're eating him alive now. They're, they're just consuming him. He's in too deep at this point. Something that some people have had to learn the hard way about QAnon is no matter how on your side you think they are, they're not. They're on their side first and foremost. And if you deviate even the slightest bit from what they want or expect from you, they will turn on you. There's a pastor that was running for political office, LeMayer. Uh, let me just look it up real fast. Jackson LeMayer is his name, I believe, yeah. He started courting the QAnon votes. He was trying to bring the QAnon people in to his side or whatever. Until one day he did a photo op where his daughter was wearing red shoes. And for those of you who aren't in the know, red shoes mean something to QAnon. That's when he lost the QAnon vote from that moment, and they started calling him a member of the Illuminati, a member of the Deep State, claiming that he was doing all this crazy stuff and he was working for the others and blah, blah, blah. It's really, really easy to get QAnon to turn on you. Um, they've kind of turned on Lynn Wood a little bit. I'm honestly surprised that Lynn Wood is even involved here. Anyways, yeah, the the point is, I guess Clay Clark, one of the organizers of the Reawaken America conference, is kind of being targeted a little bit by QAnon. Don't, what's the saying? Don't lie down with dogs. Uh, if you roll in the mud with pigs, you'll both get dirty and the pig will like it, something like that. I don't know. It's just a bad idea to get involved with QAnon at all. It ends badly for the majority of people who get involved with them. When we come back, we're going to talk about Pastor Kent Christmas claiming God made him say some really weird shit. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Next story I wanted to talk about is about a guy named Kent Christmas. Now, you may remember him. I've talked about him a few times, even on my main channel, but he had some really interesting shit to say recently. So I wanted to give this newest clip a listen. This is from mid-December 2021. Check this out. So those of you that challenged me, those around this nation, those on the Supreme Court, those in Congress, those that stole this election, saith God, 
you challenged me, you've challenged the wrong power. Hallelujah. He's got to add the speaking in tongues in for dramatic effect, doesn't he? You've challenged the wrong power. I'll tell you one thing that starts to get a little bit disturbing when I see a pastor conflating himself with God. You've challenged the wrong power. Is he talking about himself or is he talking about the supposed fact that he has Jesus on his side? This isn't the only time he's had some real weird shit to say. This one is also fairly new. It's not that old. Mid-October 2021. Give this one a listen. We are not the friend of this present administration. A Biden administration. For context, he's talking about Biden. As most of my audience probably knows, we're supposed to have a separation of church and state in this country. But we don't. Effectively, we don't. Pastors are supposed to lose tax-exempt status if they directly endorse or oppose specific political candidates or politicians of any sort, congressmen, senators, whatever. But they don't. They're supposed to lose tax-exempt status, but here we are listening to this guy specifically say we are not a friend of the Biden administration, and nothing happens. Nothing just goes on about his day. That is trying to kill our nation and our country. I have nothing to lose today. I didn't ask to be well known. Did you ever have anything to lose by talking about this in an extremely conservative church? He's acting like he's gonna like pay consequences for talking about this. Just like Robert Jeffress, like I talked about this dude last week or something. Robert Jeffress saying he's going to lose book sales for saying this. Thank God for Donald Trump. You're going to lose book sales for talking about Donald Trump in church, really. For, for speaking positively about Donald Trump in your extremely conservative church. You think you're going to lose book sales over that? It's the same with this guy. Even when there is nothing to feel persecuted about, nothing, it doesn't matter. They will come up with something. Even if that thing is something to feel proud about, something to feel like you aren't persecuted over. It doesn't matter. They'll turn it into a persecution complex anyways. I have nothing to lose today. I didn't ask to be well known. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord, I lose a righteous authority in you today. Hallelujah. That we are done. Hallelujah. The enemy has messed with the wrong people. Like, who's the enemy in this scenario? Is it Democrats? I mean, you're not supposed to be involved in politics at all. Legally, there is a separation of church and state, right? You're supposed to lose tax-exempt status if you talk about it. All nonprofit organizations are, not just churches. If you're a tax-exempt nonprofit organization and you get involved in politics, that's against the fucking law. That's illegal. You will lose tax-exempt status, usually, or you're supposed to. 
But here we are. Dude doesn't care. He knows he's not going to face consequences for this. He knows it. If that is not the definition of privilege, I don't know what is. But I've had it up to here with the vaccine. We got too many people dying after they take it. And you don't give a shit about the people dying before they take it? No, I have to squash this before we move forward. This is just more anti-vax nonsense. The vaccine is perfectly safe. And if it weren't perfectly safe, it's safer than not taking it. None of this seems to add up in their brain. Like, they're not sitting here doing the mental math to recognize how helpful the vaccine has been. They just want to demonize it because it's a political issue. And that's fucking sad. It hurts me to know that people are dying needlessly. In my opinion, life is the most valuable, precious thing in the universe. There is nothing more important and valuable than life. The things that this guy is saying are snuffing it out. If there was a God, if there was a God, this guy would face judgment for the things that he's saying right now. What he's saying is actually getting people killed. It's actually hurting society. There are real tangible results when you go to a crowd of, I don't know, 5,000 people? Between one and 10,000 people, probably. I don't know how big his megachurch is. Real tangible results when you go to a crowd that big and tell them not to get vaccinated during a worldwide pandemic. Refuse to hold online meetings. Refuse to do things safely. Refuse to wear masks. There are real consequences to those actions. Real people get hurt when he does that. And if there was a God, which I don't think there was, but if there was, he would face judgment for those actions. I've had it up to here with every time I get on a plane, I have to wear a mask that does not work. So in the name of the Lord, hallelujah, I ask God to expose the fallacy of this saying. I wonder what he means by that. Does he mean like the entire world realizes or the entire world starts seeing things from his perspective? I mean, what does he mean? Why doesn't God just make things happen the way he wants them to happen? Isn't all of this just part of God's plan? Why does he think that him praying or asking others to pray will change God's plan. What was it George Carlin said? Long time ago, God made a divine plan, gave it a lot of thought, decided it was a good plan, put it into practice. And for billions and billions of years, the divine plan has been doing just fine. Now you come along and pray for something. Well, suppose the thing you want isn't in God's divine plan. What do you want him to do? Change his plan just for you? Doesn't it seem a little arrogant? It's a divine plan. What's the use of being God if every rundown schmuck with a $2 prayer book can come along and fuck up your plan? Does he think that his prayers are doing absolutely anything at all? Is there any reason to think that his prayers are doing anything? I mean, why does he think he's more important than literally anybody else? And for that matter, it seems to me like all of this is part of God's plan because it's playing out, right? Seems to me that God's plan was to get Trump out of office and put Biden in, because Biden's there. Isn't that part of God's plan if it's happened? Suppose your prayers aren't answered. What do you say? Well, it's God's will. Thy will be done. Fine. But if it's God's will and he's going to do what he wants to anyway, why the fuck bother praying in the first place? 
God has a plan. He's going to put it into action, and it's happening. And Biden is president now. Maybe God didn't like Donald Trump. Did you ever take a second to consider that possibility? Listen. The first thing Jesus did after resurrection, because when they buried him, the Bible said they covered his face. And when he resurrected and they went in that tomb, they found the napkin or the mask folded by itself because God was saying, you're never going to shut me up again. Uh, I don't think that was the point of the parable. No, it wasn't even a parable. That was like a historical thing that the Bible was trying to lay out. I don't know that that, that happened. I don't believe that it did at all. There's no reason to think that happened. Certainly not the way that it's described. But even if it did, that is not the point that God was trying to make. Let's just lay this out chronologically, okay? So Jesus dies, and they wrap him, right, in like... I don't know, toilet paper or something, like a fucking mummy, put him in this tomb, and then he stands up and walks out, and you're saying, by removing the wrapping, so he's no longer mummy Jesus, he's normal Jesus, by removing the wrapping, you think God was sending a message to you, 2,000 years in the past, to tell you, Masks were bad. That's what you're saying? Is that the message that you're pulling from this? He's saying it with a straight fucking face. Look at this. Shut me up again. The mask. Hear me. There is, and I know this by the Holy Ghost. Oh, he knows it by the Holy Ghost. Okay, now we know we're about to hear some bullshit. This guy is about to feed us a line of nonsense. He had to say he, he heard it from the Holy Ghost because there's no other good explanation for how he would know something like this. Let's hear it. There is an intention by the enemy to break the spirit of our nation. Yeah, so anyways, that's uh, Kent Christmas. I actually covered a few other clips of this guy like forever ago. He's been talking about like the, the vaccines and just all of it since the day the pandemic started and he's been pretty serious about it he fucking he's full on in the republican camp he is fully in the trump camp absolutely thinks this whole thing is a lie and that masks don't work and blah 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 all of it he's all in so there was this conference a while back run by kenneth copeland i believe this is in late september 2021 and none other than kent christmas made an appearance there and he has some interesting things to say about the lgbt community so let's give it a listen we have all of this going on for the last couple of 20 30 years and while we're building the biggest churches Never have Christian's children been more taken over by homosexuality than they are right now. So it sounds to me like this guy is saying that homosexuality is more prevalent now than it was 20 or 30 years ago. I beg to differ, good sir. As far as we can tell, st statistically, that is not true. Roughly the same number of people in the LGBT community as there were 20 or 30 years ago. They're just more comfortable coming out and being who they are. That's really the only difference. If I asked each and every one of you to stand that has a son, daughter, or a niece, or a nephew, or a brother or sister that is gay, half of you would stand up in this building because it is a demonic spirit that's come after our seat.
and the church that God is raising up in this hour is going to have authority over that. Yeah, here's the thing. Um, half of them would stand up now versus, you know, way, way fewer standing up like 20 or 30 years ago because 20 or 30 years ago, there was real fear of being killed for being gay. Things have progressed in a much better direction since then. We are not where we need to be. We are not where we need to be with it, but we're better. We're better off than we were. In 2004, there was debate over whether or not gay marriage should be legalized. And to my surprise, a lot of popular Democrats did not support gay marriage. John Kerry ran for president in, I think, 2005 against George Bush. Is that right? 2005? I think that's right. He was against gay marriage. Hillary Clinton was against gay marriage at the time, too. A lot of Democrats were against gay marriage. And look where we are now. It's largely accepted. It's basically part of the platform now, the Democrat platform, where they're in favor of gay marriage for the most part. Things are completely different now than they were then. It's a safer place to be for gay people, the United States. A much safer place. That is why he seems to think that there are more gay people out there now than there were then. That's just not the case. Roughly the same percentage as, it, as it's always been, honestly. 10 to 15%, give or take, depending on what you're measuring. We are not going to tell them they're going to hell. We're not going to tell them they're scum. We're going to tell them that they're born of God, that God will set them free. Wow, this is an interesting message, actually, right? Well, just sit back and wait. It gets worse. They're born of God, that God will set them free, change them by the power of the Holy Ghost. Put them on our platforms to sing our God is an awesome God. Yeah, change them by the power of the Holy Ghost. That's what he's saying. Change them. They don't need changed. They never need changed. They are who they are, and you can accept that or you can move on with your fucking life because they're not going back in the closet. It is what it is, whether you like that or not. There are pastors out there who are perfectly happy to accept them into their congregations. They don't need you. It's fucking disgusting to me that there are still people out there to this day, seriously, 2022, who seem to feel that gay people are inferior. I mean, that's the message I'm picking up from this guy. Gay people are inferior. It's so sad to know that there really are people out there like that and this guy is not a nobody this guy is actually pretty well known like i said he went to a conference with kenneth copeland i believe that what we're watching here is a conference held by kenneth copeland one of the biggest te televangelists of all time it's an interesting contrast to what it used to be though um this guy seems to be saying we shouldn't treat them like they're scum, so on and so forth. We should tell them that they need to change and then bring them up to the pulpit to preach with us about how they changed, right? 20 years ago, that was not the message. 20 years ago, they were effectively saying that they're scum or saying that they're living in sin and it's disgusting, it's grotesque, and they want nothing to do with it. They wouldn't allow you to be a part of their church, and you're not going to make it into heaven unless you change. That's basically what they were saying. Um, this is kind of an interesting clip. Larry King was hosting a debate, basically, with Gavin Newsom, uh, then mayor of a California town. Now he's the governor of California. And he had this debate with John MacArthur, Pastor John MacArthur, who I'll be doing a longer form video on pretty soon. 
And a gay journalist who was outed by Tabloid Magazine in 1996. So give this a listen, this clip, and see what uh, see what he has to say here. Uh, by the way, this is 2004. I, I wasn't sure if I mentioned that or not. John MacArthur, what is the irreparable harm of gays being married? Well, I think there are a number of things that we need to talk about. One is it would destroy the family. How would it destroy the fucking family? I don't understand. Dude's speaking nonsense right now. I mean, obviously... God designed the family to be a man and a woman to produce a child. It is the DNA, it's the genetic structure of civilization. If you don't have that, you don't have civilization, so you're striking it at the very core of its existence. I hate to be that guy, I have to point out, it is actually physiologically possible for a gay guy to have a kid. I mean, you know he can just have a kid with somebody else, right? Or adopt, or... Even uh, if you want to go down this road, you know, scientists have been studying ways to create an egg cell out of a sperm cell or using similar DNA or whatever else. I mean, it may be possible for a gay couple to have a kid with each other that is fully their kid and nobody else's. Who knows? Science is going down some interesting roads right now. So I'm really not sure what point you're getting at with this. Who cares? Who cares? that a man and a woman are currently at this moment, or at least at the moment of this interview, required to produce children. Who gives a shit? They can adopt. They can have surrogate kids. I mean, there are all kinds of options. Why does that matter at all? I don't get it. But what does the state have to do with that? You, God can do it, and as a religious person, you can practice it, but why should the state be involved in a marriage? Well, uh, I'll answer for you. Well, I want the state to perfectly mirror what the church wants. That's actually how he feels, but he knows he needs to say it in a slightly more polite way that will be less abrasive to a 2004 audience. Typically, the state has always involved, yeah, always no, been involved in a marriage, and I think that because the state's responsibility is to uphold what is right, to uphold righteousness. I mean, it's in the fabric of human thinking to understand a man and a woman make a marriage and a family. God has put that in the very thinking of people. It's in the heart. It's there. The state upholds that standard, always has in every state, in every human history, factor of human history. It's a choice you make. It's a sinful choice. Did you choice. make a choice to be heterosexual? I, wow, that's an interesting question. Did you make uh, did you make the choice to be heterosexual? And look at the wheels turning in his head right now. Watch. I, uh, how about that? It's kind of stuttering around, not really sure. Wait, you know, you're right. I didn't make that choice. That just kind of fucking happened. That's hilarious. I, I don't think I had to make a choice to what be heterosexual. Mean? I think that's... No fucking shit. You didn't? You didn't have to make a choice to be heterosexual? How about that? You don't fucking say. I, I don't think I had to make a choice to what be heterosexual. Mean? I think that's a natural Wait thing. A Wait a minute. In other words, one is a choice and one is not. Yeah. Listen to this fucking dude. One's a choice and one's not. Uh, yeah. That checks out, totally. So he was unlucky because, and you're lucky. Because you're not talking about... Because it's natural to be heterosexual. That's what do you built, mean by natural? Well, yeah. I mean, that's the way God made us. That's but the if normal. he doesn't feel that way, what is he then? He's not a sinner. It wasn't his decision. Yeah, I think it was his decision. I would love, absolutely love for the pastor to point out for me where, when in my life I made that decision. Because I have to tell you, it caused a lot of pain in my family. It caused a lot of pain in me. It's a very, very tough thing that I had to go through. I, I don't think at some point you said, okay, I'm going to be a homosexual. I got two alternatives, you know. Well, let me give you a little bit more context for this clip. Actually, at this point, I, I split it out because there was a whole bunch of 
useless nonsense in here. It was like somebody else talking. They went to a commercial break or something. So I put like a, a break in the the clip right here and cut out like the commercial and George Bush talking and stuff. And then they went on with other discussions about other things. And middle, middle, middle. Then out of the blue, Pastor John MacArthur jumps in and says, you know, I want to address something that he said a minute ago. And he continues the conversation after it basically came to an end just a few minutes before. So with that added context, keep listening. I don't think at some point you said, okay, I'm going to be a homosexual. I got two alternatives, you know, I'm going to go be a homosexual. But I do think whatever sin patterns show up in our lives, and they may be different for us, we can choose to continue down those paths of sin, whether it's adultery or whatever it is. Isn't that interesting? So this guy basically came into this debate, this argument, whatever disagreement, believing that homosexuality is a choice, that you choose to be gay, and that you can just choose to not be gay and not sin. It's because you want to sin that you do it. And now it's like Larry King kind of got the gears turning in his head and starting to realize, okay, maybe that's not really that logical. I mean, how often is it that you throw a question at somebody that makes the gears turn so abruptly that they like bring it up again a few minutes later and continue the conversation and concede a point a little bit. That is really interesting to me. Uh, just for the record, this guy is actually extremely harmful to society, has extremely harmful beliefs, and has done his fair share of damage. I am in no way condoning anything that this guy says or does or believes or trying to rehabilitate his image at all. In fact, I'm going to be doing a longer-form video on this guy a little bit later on, but... I just wanted to show you guys a little bit of a clip to give you an idea of how gay marriage was viewed back then versus how gay marriage is viewed now, or how the LGBT community is viewed more generally. We've been fighting these same battles, having these same arguments for decades at this point. In fact, before it was really about gay marriage, before gay marriage was an issue in the first place, it was interracial marriage. Gavin Newsom brought that up in this debate. 20 years before this debate took place, it was against the law for a black person and a white person to get married. And then 20 years before that, the arguments that they were using were so similar that you could basically cut and paste the arguments. They used to say that God put black people on Africa and white people in Europe so that they wouldn't intermarry. That is why God put them where they were. The same biblical arguments used to fight against interracial marriage. The same type of logic used against gay marriage. It's all nonsense. It's always been nonsense. And it's nothing but bigotry and hatred and discrimination. That's all it's ever been. Listen to this. This one is Gavin Newsom arguing for gay marriage. Were you challenging, Mayor, the wishes of the people of California? 
No, I was actually upholding my constitutional oath to bear full faith and allegiance to the Constitution of the State of California. And Larry, nowhere in that Constitution does it allow me to discriminate against people. And what we were doing previous to our directive was, I believe, discriminating against people. And I find that abhorrent, and I find that inappropriate. And we wanted to stand up on principle, stand up on the constitutional footing, and we made the appropriate action. Now 3,300-plus couples have affirmed their love, and in turn, Larry, I believe my marriage has been affirmed. Many states held to it. A black couldn't marry a white in the southern states. As easily, 20 years ago, that couldn't happen. Legislature what we're talking didn't about it. here, Larry, is the definition of marriage. It's amazing to me that the mayor uh, can defy the law and talk about it as though it were a noble thing. What if mayors around the nation just openly defied the law? This happens all the time. I mean, do you not realize what the Supreme Court is for? Does she not understand how precedent works? That's how this works. You defy the law. You send the case to the courts to decide if that is, in fact, unconstitutional. And that's, that was his whole goal here, that he was using the system as it's supposed to be used. He wasn't defying the law in that way, like the way she's saying it. That's ridiculous. He did it in an effort to have it reviewed by the by the courts. What kind of a country would we have? The country that we live in now, because that's how it works. That's how it's always worked. That's how the system was built 250-something years ago, or 300 years ago, by the Founding Fathers. It was specifically built that way. I believe when you're an elected official, you should have respect for the law. And the people of California have had a ballot initiative. The definition of marriage in California is a union between one man and one woman. She said separate but unequal. At least there's an argument being made by the presidential candidates that the thousand plus benefits afforded uh, opposite gender couples, married couples, can at least be considered as an extended benefit uh, with uh, civil unions. The bottom line is a visitation, the rights of pension benefits, health care benefits, inheritance rights are not afforded opposite gender couples, or afforded opposite gender couples, but not same sex couples. So uh, to say that's not discriminatory to me is abject remarkable uh, when in uh, fact it is discriminatory and she's preaching at least a separate but unequal standard on point absolutely agree with the dude later on in the interview or in the show or whatever he talks about how this is exactly the same as the arguments that were being given against interracial marriages but 20 years beforehand it was illegal 20 years before this came out for a black person to marry a white person. And that woman that we saw there, she was a Republican congressman from Colorado. She would have been on the opposing side if it had been 20 years earlier. She's on the wrong side of history. So anyway, I found it really fascinating to go back and look at some of these old things. It's kind of a shame. Like, I'm trying to find a good use for all these clips. I created like 15 clips of old John MacArthur debates and stuff like that. I'm hoping I'm gonna be able to do a, like a long form video about him on my main channel. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues 
issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.